You're listening to a podcast from the Cinema Geekly Podcast Network. We're the geeks you deserve and the ones you need right now. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. It's another episode of I'm a Doctor, not a podcast, Cinema Geekly Star Trek podcast. It is Anthony Lewis, joined once more by Fleet Admiral Ben Knight. Hello, Ben. Hello. Uh, you know what? I'm not quite a Fleet Admiral, but I am gaining. I, I think I'm... Yeah, how are you getting on now? So you're playing this on PS4. Yes. Yeah, we're talking about Star Trek Online, in case people did not listen to the last episode. Uh, that we recorded, which I believe I talked about it for about fifteen to twenty minutes. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm still playing on PlayStation Four, and I believe at last I checked, I am a rear admiral upper half. I think uh, I'm either lower half sorry, or upper that's, half. It sounded rude. I apologize. The rear admiral. Um, so yeah, I'm still I'm still a few ranks behind you, because. Um, Fleet Admiral is, I, I think, level sixty and above, and I'm, I'm, I think I'm approaching level fifty. So that's pretty. That's pretty good. You've been, you've been playing hard. Are you, are you grinding that, or are you uh, buying extras and stuff? I'm just grinding it. I haven't, I haven't spent uh, okay. a, I haven't spent a cent on this game. Um, it, I, mean, I, I did say at the start though, it, it, it is a game that you can grind reasonably well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, um, I think, in fact, I think only once did I have to actually go out of the stories to gain yeah. enough XP to start uh, another. Um... Oh, they, they must be being pretty generous on the PS4 then. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because I... you did have to do a lot of grind missions uh, to to make that sort of progress on uh, PC. Yeah, I've I've really only had to jump out of the I've really only had to jump out of the story once to go to go do some like group events to get mm. uh, to get more XP, but. Um. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm. But you're stuck. Tell me about the thing you're stuck on, because listeners may help with this. Come on. I'm so stuck. Uh, actually, I don't think the listeners are going to be able to help. I've been, I've been everywhere, and the the word I'm getting is that the the mission is buggy. I don't know how the this mission is uh, for PC users, but is the uh, the fluid dynamics mission. So it's you're in fluidic space. I'm hanging out with. Tuvok, who's now in charge of Voyager, and I'm with him with a bunch of other ships. And there is a Borg hub in fluidic space, and then you have to do... I think it's like you and like three other ships or two other NPC yeah. ships that are not controlled by anybody else with the AI. And you have to battle many ships. There's like three cubes and three or four spheres that you have to blow up. I see the very mission. I, I see it with the first Google result. Um posted on the 15th of june of this year which still doesn't have a satisfactory answer i notice on this thread no Shit. and so once you've destroyed all of these cubes and spheres you're left with 
uh, an object I've, I've, I don't think I've seen in an episode of Star Trek. This might be a Star Trek Online exclusive creation, but mm-hmm. it is a, a Borg command diamond. It is basically a sort of diamond shaped Borg vessel. Which, it looks like Leviathan from Hellraiser 2. Yeah, and it's, and it's extremely overpowered. You cannot destroy this thing on your own. It, uh, on my own, I think I was able to get it down to uh, 89% shield power, and then it just went back up. And the, the, I guess the the idea here is that you and your other NPC ships are supposed to attack it, and it's going to take a, a a small amount of time, but eventually you destroy it and you move on. And on the mini map, there is a kind of like a a red circle which tells you like where the objective is on the map that you yeah. have to go. And this Borg command diamond flies outside of the circle. And travels yeah. faster than any of the NPC ships can, and the NPC ships lag behind or they get stuck on walls, and the the command diamond flies far, far away. It moves way quicker than anything else. And uh, basically, I'm told at the moment that, that this is not supposed to be how the mission plays out, and the diamond is supposed to move a lot slower so the ships can stay with you, and That's you right. can continue to attack it. And apparently now the idea, I guess the idea is is that you just replay it and replay it, and eventually the diamond will get stuck on an object, and you hope that it gets stuck, and then your ships can catch up, and then you can destroy it. Uh, But I've yet to encounter this, and it's been about a month. Well, as I say, uh, this post here goes back to June. Although, actually, hang on, there's a... On this post, there's someone describing exactly the problem, and then underneath it says, edit, I've completed the mission, so... Uh, but yeah, I think reading through it, that is just through restarting it over and over again. And, it sounds uh, like you just have to get lucky that it'll yeah. collide, it'll collide with a, an immovable object uh, in the background, and it gets stuck, and then you can blow it up. Because otherwise, <laughs> it moves. It, otherwise, it moves too quickly. It can take forever, and I, I haven't had the time. I have thought about starting a new game, playing through as like a Klingon or a Romulan, because obviously they have their own stories. I believe. Yeah. Uh, so I have thought about doing that, although I, I'm, I don't know. I I've got a lot of other games to play, so it's like, eh, do yeah. I, to I had the time? same. I had the same problem with that. I, I've I, I have done some of the initial um, missions as other characters, but right. I'm interested uh, in the new stories, but I don't like having to start from zero mm. after having put so much time into building up. Uh, my rank and, and and getting my halfway decent ship in, yeah. in order. So, yeah, I, I had a similar <sighs> sort of conceptual problem with that. Is you you know, let's say you choose being a fed, um, and especially if you're playing it as as a grind, it takes so much work. Indeed. <laughs> um, and then you know it's yeah you just don't really fancy grinding through another character uh storyline it's a bit it's just a bit much isn't it mm-hmm. um so let's uh let's move on obviously there's uh, some big news we're going to talk about at the end of the episode we're going to make you stick around until the end of the episode before we talk about the most relevant news uh which is in <laughs> relation to the brand new television show but uh this is this has been uh this year ben d- despite the fact that i think most people would We'll be happy to see 2016 come to an end. Oh, uh, gotcha. Yeah. Someone stick a stake in the fucker and make sure it's dead. <laughs> it has been, at least for Star Trek, a milestone year in many ways. 
this this was the 50th anniversary year. Star Trek Which Beyond Which you can is... tell from all of the fuss that was made about... Oh, wait. <laughs> oh, sure. Whoops. Uh, Star Trek Beyond <laughs> is out on, on Blu-ray now. Uh, I've, I've got my copy, of course, because I'm a completionist. Uh, <laughs> and they have they actually have like a lovely piece about 50 years of Star Trek and uh, um, a send-off for... Uh, Leonard Nimoy and Anton Yelchin on the on the Blu-ray they put together. Um, oh, that might be worth getting the Blu-ray just for that, I guess. Yeah, there's some pieces of people talking about Leonard and, and Anton. So, uh, but those are not the only pieces of Star Trek celebrating milestone birthdays this year. There are two other pieces of of uh, Star Trek on film that are celebrating birthdays, uh, milestone birthdays that uh, are now making me start to feel old. Uh, on November 22nd, uh, last month, well, not last month, or, no, we're on December 1st as we're recording yeah, this, so it month. is last month technically now, uh, but not that long ago, Star Trek First Contact, Ben, celebrated mm. its 20th birthday. I know, that's it, horrendous, it shouldn't be allowed. It doesn't, qu- it doesn't feel quite like it was 20 years ago. It really doesn't. Um, but despite how old it's making me feel at the moment. And perhaps worst of all you, as you are older than I am, but uh, Oh, rub that in. Thanks. <laughs> no problem. Uh, I'm already ill. So, you know, cheers. I'm <laughs> making it far worse. Uh, now you're going to go into convulsions and shivers on the couch. Well, the uh, shivers have started. So yeah, just the convulsions <laughs> to come. Uh, but yeah, this, I, uh, you know, this is, I, I think this is going to probably be the only highly uh at least as far as like critical acclaim goes of the of the next gen movies i know that you have is it uh is it insurrection or nemesis that you have a a soft spot for softer than most fans um i can't remember i think it was nemesis yeah that was when we got into yeah into the discussion about yeah yeah um any any other fondness of, of first contact before I make you feel any older? Um, I mean, it, it felt like uh, an enjoyable adventure movie, um, which I <laughs> it didn't try and do anything too big. It didn't try and it wasn't um, overly next. It, it wasn't overly next genny. You know, no, and I mean. actually, it's easy to forget, isn't it, the giddiness. Uh, in yeah, so 1996, the giddiness of having um, the Borg in a film, you know, this this um, sort of monolithic bad guy. This is the first time we'd seen them on the big screen, as it were. Yeah, um, and that that was a that was a big thing. No, I mean, and it's a it's a fun, it's a it's a really good movie. There's some and there's some great moments in it. Yeah, um, I just you know it's weird. I wonder why they were never really able to fully capture, um, the next generation in movie form. Uh, they like mm-hmm. in a because they were able to blend, uh, you know, more philosophical ideas with action. They were able to do that quite frequently in the show, <coughs> and it's weird that they yeah. never really managed to capture both of those aspects in any. And they had four shots, and they never really managed to make it work. In any of them, although First Contact was a great movie, but it was it just it lent way more on uh, action and adventure romp, and didn't do a lot of. Uh, but I think that's when they were trying to make. Um, it was the first 
attempt, well, actually it wasn't, it was probably the second attempt to make Star Trek uh, a, a big box office thing. Mm-hmm. Because uh, you got to remember, it's only us, um, by which I mean the, the Star Trek geeks out there, who give a crap about uh, what Star Trek does so well in terms of you know, big story or big concept stuff. True. Um, the rest of the world really doesn't give a crap. So, you know, you make First Contact as uh, an action film slash thriller, um, and it gets, you know, it gets its, what was it, 93% these days on Rotten Tomatoes. I believe um, so, yeah. Yeah, you know, and that's, that's, how, that's how you do it. Uh, it's like when it tried to make a, an 80s uh, comedy Um you know, a lot of people, Star Trek fans, were kind of pissed about some of that. Uh, but equally, it it did all right box office wise at the time, um, and it was spoken of fondly by non Star Trek fans. I think that's that's where you've really got to sit back and look at the um, the impressive nature of what they're doing with the the, the new movies. Mm-hmm. Is that they are finally beginning to make something which Star Trek fans and uh, a wider public are into um that's really hard with sci-fi that's really hard yeah it's it's ridiculously tough actually so uh and who'd have thought jonathan frakes could do it now I'm, I'm being unkind again <laughs> <laughs> um well i mean look this is a this episode of i'm a doctor not a podcast is not only talking about age but we're there's a surprising number of of time travel things here because first contact is a time travel movie and the other movie star trek movie celebrating a birthday did so on november 26th and it was star trek for the voyage home turned 30 years old it did another Talking about time, making yeah another time travel movie and i believe if i'm not mistaken on a recent episode of the cinema geekly podcast did we determine that this is a movie we would we would sacrifice in order to make one of the prequel star wars movies good <sighs> quite wrongly but yeah <laughs> but this is the thing so the voyage home this was this was the um it was, it was fucking weird in places but this was the nimoy directed uh save the whales movie and they tried to do uh they tried to do the kind of classic 80s comedy thing with it uh I was going to say you wouldn't be surprised to see Whoopi Goldberg in it. Um, of course, <laughs> later that came to pass. But um, Eddie Murphy, for example, was almost cast in this movie. That's right. Um, it's 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 that it was a, one of these attempts to open it to a wider public, and do you know what? It succeeded. Uh, again, talking about Rotten Tomatoes, I've just looked it up. Actually, eighty-five percent. So this scored higher on Rotten Tomatoes than uh, First Contact, um, and that's not because of Star Trek fans. <laughs> Let's be honest. That's True. from other people watching this movie. Um, well, I mentioned this one at home, by the way. Alex absolutely despises it. Uh, in fact, he recalls that he calls it Star Trek Save the Fucking Whales. Um, but <laughs> well, I mean, it def- that definitely was a message in the eighties, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember it, and I remember mishearing Enya's lyrics and thinking that's what she was singing about as well. But <laughs> yeah, now go back and listen. Maybe she was. <laughs> I will. Maybe. Uh, but. It was, uh, I mean, the only the only criticism I would ever make of the Voyage Home is that it was about twenty twenty five minutes too long because it was uh, just over two hours, if I remember rightly. Correct. Um, and so, yeah, it's just a little bit too long to do what it wanted to do. Right. 
I but, mean, you know, happy birthday to it. Yeah, my, um, uh, my, my history... It's aged horrendously, by the way, if you go back and watch it. Oh, it's terrible. It's definitely a movie of its time. Yeah, uh, but then, it, so actually, here's some stats for this film. If you want to see why this film um, is, you know, jaw-dropping for the suits in Hollywood. Uh, budget, $25 million. Wow. Box office, $133 million. Mm-hmm. They did just fine. Yeah, I, the, well, unfortunately, that's also the reason we got Star Trek V the way we did. Yeah, well, you know, look at how I, look at how much better this comedy version of Star Trek did. Let's add, let's do more of that. Yeah, uh, well, I'm I'm not sure I can speak quite so fondly of that. No, and and we've mentioned many times that I'm, I I think the consensus is that the comedy worked because they were fishes out of water. Essentially, they were out of their element, being futuristic space people from. Uh, many centuries beyond in the 80s that's that's the comedy throwing the comedy back into their own time it just didn't quite work the same uh, it, and it, in fact it was a detriment in many ways to some characters uh, so my uh, my history with uh, the voyage home I think has been documented a few times before <laughs> uh, it's kind of it was sort of it wasn't my first introduction to Star Trek but it was the thing that sort of uh, hooked me into Star Trek uh, yeah, it got it got the uh, it got the claws dug in, so to speak. It's that's where I saw my my first preview for Star Trek: The Next Generation, and uh, that's it. Sort of went on from there. So there's like a obviously there's a special place in my heart for that movie, and uh, it being 30 years old makes me feel old. But uh, you know, I guess that's kind of the thing that sort of happens. What with time and all. Yeah, well, unless we uh, um, take a slingshot around the sun, in which case we'll be fine. Yeah, I was very disappointed when I learned later in life that just slingshotting around the sun like that is probably not a feasible way to time travel. I didn't like the fact that basically Sulu lied to me. Yeah. <laughs> you know. and, and by the way, I don't think Eddie Murphy, that would have been a, such a weirder movie if Eddie Murphy had been in it. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> it just doesn't seem quite right. No, like so uh, far, so far, Star Trek has not cast people into into their movies or TV shows that I felt like, boy, that person doesn't quite belong there, and they haven't really. No, that's managed, true. Actually, they have, they yeah. Have, yeah, they haven't really. So, like, you know, if Star Trek Four somehow has like Tom Cruise or something in it, that would be <laughs> just weird. It would, it, it it doesn't seem like it would be a fit. So, yeah, I, I that movie with Eddie Murphy just seems. Almost unnatural, I want to say. It is quite a. It is quite surprising that Whoopi Goldberg didn't get cast in it. If that, if they were looking to do, and they really were obviously trying to make an archetypal uh, zeitgeist eighties movie, mm-hmm. and if they were talking to him, I would imagine they probably had also considered a number of other. Uh, I guess maybe Ted Danson and people like that. Oh, all goodness. of the. The people who were doing those films in the eighties, you know? Sure. Oh my god. Can you imagine that? There you Robin go. Robin Williams. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh let's talk about uh some I have one other time travel piece, sort of. But the first thing I before we get to that, I want to mention um if not to bring up a couple of other things. I, re- I really don't want to talk about the product specifically, but uh Star Trek the animated series was recently released on Blu ray. Uh, I I looked at some of the, the by the way as as would one would expect they certainly look a lot 
crisper and cleaner and the colors pop a lot more than uh just like you would expect with a blu-ray release that being said they don't look incredible because it was uh, a cartoon from the yeah. 70s i don't get blu-ray releases of 70s animation i really don't but yeah uh and the, the packaging looks nice and they they it comes with some really cool stuff uh on the inside as far as like I think there's like individual art pieces for each one of the episodes, yeah. uh, like little mini posters, things like that. that and that's cool. Uh, but there are two things that have spawned from this. Another news article that tied into this that just made my blood boil. And, of course, there is something that we have not really discussed on here, which I guess I'll ask you this question first. Should Star Trek the Animated Series be considered Star Trek canon? Because this has been uh, debated heavily. There's obviously the whole... Uh, Gene Roddenberry said it wasn't, so it isn't. But yeah. I think a lot of that was tied into uh, uh, a, like a licensing conflict, a personality and licensing conflict uh, that Roddenberry had with the distributors. And I think he was just pissed about that. And he's like, this isn't part of Star Trek officially. Uh, mm. I don't know. I still, I still say, I still say no. Uh, as far as it being canon. The, now, I've, I've definitely read arguments as to why it's yes, but mostly those arguments... Uh, I mean, one, one of the arguments is, well, they used the same show Bible, essentially, for from yeah. the original series. They used it for here. They used uh, a lot of the uh, the writers, and so, so a lot of the same team that did the original series did the animated show. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. And a lot of people have brought up that since basically since Deep Space Nine onwards, there have been a lot of references to the animated series. Yeah, absolutely. But I feel like those are more like they're geeky nods, aren't they? Yeah, they're Easter eggs. They're less yeah. like confirming things that <coughs> happened in the animated series. I feel like I feel like they're yeah, less like right. that and more like nods to like I don't I I don't consider it. I don't consider it canon for a couple of reasons. Reason number one is when they created the animated series, there was no such thing as a Star Trek canon. the The show was canceled. the uh, The original live action show was canceled at this point, and the animated they they weren't thinking about building a universe like those ideas didn't even really exist in television back then. I was about to say. I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? Is that this whole idea of, um. You know, yeah, as you say, universes for particular things didn't didn't really. I mean, in some, I suppose the concept might have existed, but it it it, it wasn't a it wasn't a thing in television at all. No, not really. Um, I mean, movies. I, you know, movies had sequels and things like that, but TV shows they weren't really tying this together. This was, mm. you know, as it was. It was a, a cartoon, and especially back in those days, cartoons were for kids. Uh, although they definitely did try to put in things for adult fans of the original series, it's yeah. not it's not a completely ridiculous. It, it is kind of a cartoon version of Star Trek, although it's you know way more out there than the original series, and they could do that obviously because animation. But but haven't haven't they now? Uh, I'm casting my mind back. I reckon. Uh, maybe not ten years ago. Maybe something something like that. Anyway, mm. they didn't they basically say that it was effectively canon now i yeah i've heard people that consider it to be yeah but didn't i mean whoever held the the reins in terms of the ip back then 
Um, mm-hmm. I want to I want to say two thousand and it might even be ten years ago actually. Right. Um, but they around you know but back then I think someone basically answered the question on. Um, I'm trying to remember what it was. I've got sort of vague recollection. I can't remember if it was an interview or an article or something, but basically it was, um, oh, God, who was it? Was it David Gerald, maybe? Perhaps, yeah. Some Somebody basically said, yeah, look, let's clear it up. It is officially, um, it's it's canon. And the, the argument has always been that it was the fourth, you know, the fourth season, wasn't it? Sure. Uh, to me... And it's and it really it depends on the perspective you're you're coming in from and and how ridiculous you treat such things. I always mm. kind of look at Star Trek to be a loosely canonized TV show. I mean, yeah. it started at a time where there really was no such thing. It really didn't become a shared universe even until um, next gen, and even then, it wasn't really sharing the universe. The original series crew was still doing movies, but their movies took place in the past. Uh, well, that's but, it. I mean, it's it's now two fucking universes anyway, so it's yeah, all now, kind now of... It's, yeah, it's, so it's like a very loosely canonized show. Yeah. Um, even that, even saying that, I still feel like the animated series still veered way away from anything else. Like, they introduced, <laughs> they introduced some uh, stories that had some pretty crazy like the gigantic spock that was created in one of the animated episodes that presumably <laughs> was still roaming about the galaxy but Obviously. never never to be mentioned again uh but that's the thing about animation is it? i mean dc have had this over the years as well haven't yeah. they they've done things in animated form that they've only done just because they could i think right i mean like they had they had personal shields uh that surrounded their bodies things like that like technology yeah, that's never that's been, been seen well, but that's Trek. now part of Star Trek Online. Well, sure, sure, and, th- and but that's because Star Trek Online is freely taken from, kind of, kind of from everything. I think you can get one of the J.J. Abrams era ships in the game. So, uh, and that's like from a whole different reality, and you can mix and match them. So they, they do, they they are pulling from a lot of things for that. But I mean, the the personal shields thing is like stuff that's that's never been in any other Star Trek TV show or movie, even going further into the future with stuff like no. Voyager, which is near the end of the line. They didn't even have. Actually, well, hang on, that. actually, that's not true. Uh, the Borg. Stuff? Well, of course, the Borg have personal oh, shields. Of course, they do. Yeah. Um, and I'm trying to think. There is somewhere. Oh, a nerd, a nerd will tell me in DS9. I think there's reference to it as well. Um, oh, you know what? There is uh, in in the fistful of data's episode of Next Gen. Uh, oh yeah, Worf yeah, uses yeah. Worf uses his communicator to sort of make a a personal shield, sort of. Yeah. So there you go. The animated series has led the way. Canon. It's canon. Canon, <laughs> baby. <laughs> um, that's not the that's not the part about all of this that that boils my blood. And obviously, whether or not uh, animated series is canon or not really depends on you. It's the only. It's the only series of Star Trek I don't own in any form of physical media. I've only watched it through once, and it really wasn't my thing. Uh, so it's it's probably the only piece of Star Trek that I'm not fond of. Whether or not it's canon is really just a, a point of point of perspective or matter yeah. of opinion. But this it's is a, the, it's a sort of Star Trek curio, isn't it? Really? Yeah. Th- but this is the thing that boiled my blood and it's not like I don't understand why this decision is being made, but that's not stopping me from being angry about it. 
so the animated series is released on on the Blu-ray, and a couple of days ago, there was word that Star Trek Deep Space Nine is coming out in February Ooh. on DVD. Ooh. <laughs> they give with one hand and take with the other. They're re-releasing the series on DVD. It's a whole box set instead of the individual seasons, which is yeah. nice. I have all of the individual seasons, and I'd, I think I'd prefer a box <clears throat> set instead, but fuck you if I'm going to be shelling out money for more DVDs. <laughs> I am not. I'm done buying DVDs. If well, you, shouldn't even be, you shouldn't even be buying Blu-ray. You should be buying them all as digital media now, surely, as no. in online media. No. Yeah, uh, fuck no. We've no. all been there. No, no. I, no I, I can't. I, I cannot do this with... Uh, I cannot do this with... Mainly because I have too many... I have too many. Like it, it doesn't bother me with with music. Um, even though I have a fairly sizable music collection, most of that music is also on my computer. Yeah. So if like my uh, for some reason I find my iTunes account unusable or something, <coughs> I still have all of that music on a computer. I think that's which the I thing. Have you, backed up. you and I are of, uh, probably the last generation of people who um, cling to uh, our own copies of media. Uh, in that way, I think, and yeah. it's well, I, I, I do it, I do it because we, while we've never had a situation in which we've been unable to afford, uh, unable to afford internet, hmm. the possibility still looms that something bad might happen, and it would be one of the things on the chopping block that if we had to cut things, if it came down to food yeah. for the family or internet access, internet access would go. And oh really? <laughs> wow, that's why I should never be a parent. <laughs> no, um, never have children, Ben. No, uh, probably the, not. The, uh, so for me, the concern is, and like I, I love my music, but uh, I'm not nearly as attached to it as I was. But even if I was, I still have my music on my computer, and I also have it backed up on an external drive. Like I've got the, I've got the music, and it's stored on. And it's stored on devices and stuff as well. Whereas Listen, I've really tapped into one of his neuroses here. Haven't I? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, whereas with films, the uh, the big like uh, I, I get all of my games now digitally. I don't buy physical copies of games anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but unlike with movies, I normally like if I play through a game, I've exhausted all of the hours. And I think it's probably because a good game you can get thirty, forty hours out of at minimum. And there are other games where you can play for far longer than that and get even yeah. more out of it. Uh, and the way the way console games work these days, which of course wasn't the case when you and I started gaming, is that uh, a lot of those games are constantly evolving. So, yeah, so you an can, additional content and whatever you can get a lot of playthrough out of them. And I don't have mm. a problem deleting them because here comes another game to, and you get a lot of you get a lot of time. Uh, and whereas movies are a couple of hours and I rewatch movies all the time. I, I love watching movies and I rewatch them a bunch. So I say, I yeah, a, you're, you are a rewatcher, aren't you? So I guess it's, yeah. And I have yeah. a big collection of movies. So if I were to digitally buy all of the movies, uh, say using my PlayStation or something along those lines mm-hmm. to digitally buy my movie collection, I would not be able to store them all on my PlayStation. No, that's uh, why we've got a Drobo. <laughs> I might, I might be able, I might be able to buy like the streaming access to them. Like I'll own the copy, but I, I stream watching them. I don't download the copy, but I stream watching them. 
But if I lose the ability to pay for the internet, there goes my entire movie collection. I can't watch the movies I own anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so movies are the only thing that I still hold on to as uh, as a as a physical medium. The and because streaming is heavily dependent on internet connection and how good your internet speeds are. I'll still take a Blu-ray over streaming something high def on Netflix. Uh, high def stuff on Netflix looks good, but also depending on the time of day you're watching, it can look blocky and digitized uh, depending on where you live, what your internet speeds are. Uh, Do you know what? Like I, that. I've, I've never had massive concerns about that for the same reason as you. I, uh, for, for stuff that you know, is is very visual. I tend to go Blu-ray, but uh, the series Planet Earth, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the natural history, uh, or well, yeah, I guess natural history uh, mm-hmm. series. Um, well, Planet Earth Two is currently showing on BBC One at the moment, and on BBC One HD, it broadcasts in 1080, um, and it looks incredible in 1080. Uh, yeah. And the Blu-ray, I, I imagine, will be a uh, 4K. Probably uh, job even, eventually, right? And and even the even the 1080 Blu-ray is going to be crisper oh, yes. because there isn't any any compression on it. Sure, so. but here's the thing: on the iPlayer, I, iPlayer maxes out at um, uh, uh, no, hang on. What did it max out on iPlayer? I'm going to check this now because I said this yesterday, and I'm not sure. Hang on. Um, yeah, it is. Yeah, and no, I'm right. So it maxes out at 720 mm-hmm. um, and. It's compressed to buggery, but that's by the by. Yeah. Uh, but it, it, I found for the first time yesterday, I found myself really irritated watching iPlayer in 720. Because <laughs> <laughs> most of the enough. time, yeah, most of the time, you know, I mean, I'm I'm more about audio stuff than visual in terms of the things that really, yeah. you know, piss me off when I'm watching stuff. Um, but most of the time visual you know 720 is just fine i i basically got halfway through the desert episode of planet earth 2 last night and just found myself so irritated with it that i couldn't watch it uh and it was and it really was streaming um in 720 it was uh it wasn't too compressed when we were watching it either but it just wasn't damn good enough because i you could see i mean it's one of those shows isn't it the way it's shot you can really you can see, see it. how it should yeah. be you know how it should appear yeah uh, so that's it. I'm going to set fire to the television and um, go and buy a 4K television and only ever watch anything on Blu-ray now. Yeah, I'm like I, I just I know why they're not releasing DS9 on Blu-ray. I know that it was an expensive process, especially yeah. with Next Gen. To uh, and I mean Next Gen Deep Deep Space Nine will probably fall into this. I presume their special effects were done in the same way, but m- many of the TNG special effects were uh, done in such a way that they needed to recreate many of the visual effects for the show. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that became costly, and there were seven seasons and 24 episodes a season. And yeah. the show looks fantastic. It looks great even when you're streaming it off of uh, of, of Netflix, even through mm. uh, their their compression. It still looks infinitely better i have the next gen dvd box set the one that came in the giant green it's like a giant green cube of next gen dvds it's awesome yeah i've seen it um i don't know how it is for some people but mine i feel like i got a bad transfer or something because my dvd the dvd episodes of that show look not so good 
even right. D- even DS9 looks looks better on DVD. I I would kill to get next gen upgraded on Blu-ray. It's one of those things I want to do. <laughs> it's just costly and I don't have the money, but I I would love to. Deep Space 9 is my favorite series of Star Trek though. And, and it feels it feels kind of worthy of uh, a Blu-ray release as well. The upgrade, but yeah. it's costly, and the show is nowhere near as popular as Next Generation. Exactly, and it's, so we're probably you know I I know why they did animated series because animated series was it's animation, and you're just cleaning up the animation. and yeah, they yeah. Not very many episodes. It's that would have been really cheap to put together. That's a lot easier than it would be for DS9, which had seven seasons. So you and I, sir, are probably going to have to sit here while Deep Space Nine and Voyager probably never get Blu-ray releases, which is sad. <sighs> that, like it it is sad. Yeah. Um, I mean, Vo- uh, Voyager. I'd love to see that on Blu-ray as well. Uh, Agreed. It, it's just it is really quite sad. <laughs> but fear not, because those lovely people at Star Trek. For that is the entity. There's lovely people uh, at Paramount or whoever the fuck CBS, I guess, yeah. uh, are going to make it all all better by this show that's I'm sure being shot in 4K <clears throat> uh, and is going to be tremendous. Uh, Discovery, yeah. Presumably, it will be shot and well i mean yeah i'm sure it'll little worried of course they plan on delivering it over cbs all access which would suggest that they're not going to be perhaps pulling out the store the other stops for 4k <clears throat> but yeah i uh, mean cbs all access isn't um i mean they're not they're i not see airing. that's a 720 service as well Is at the moment 20 oh, yeah it looks like it people are going to be mad um before we, okay so before we talk about this uh the, the casting for Discovery. There's one more piece in relation to time travel. This blew my mind when I read about it. Because uh, I, I knew about some of this. I knew some of the surrounding story about this, but I didn't really know uh, mm. about this particular bit or the, the details of it, which is uh, after Star Trek The Motion Picture, Gene Roddenberry got to work on the second movie. But th- this is the stuff that I knew. I knew that Paramount didn't want him in charge anymore. They weren't happy. I think I don't think they were happy with motion even though motion picture did pretty good box office wise, I don't think they were happy with the movie. I no. th- I think they wanted something different and they were working on kind of pushing him out of the way into the uh whatever it was, the George Lucas role, right? The <laughs> consulting producer or something where I would yeah, say that was a pretty accurate portrayal, yeah. <laughs> And what I didn't know was, and I, I presumed he was when he started work on Star Trek too, because I heard the stories about when they brought in Nick Meyer and he and Nick Meyer butted heads over the direction mm. of the movie and stuff. I, I've heard about all of that. What I never heard about was what Roddenberry's idea was for Star Trek two. And I read about it today and it's blown my mind pretty much out of the water. <laughs> have you, have you heard about it? I have. I, I, I've actually bookmarked it to read and I haven't read it yet. Go on. Okay, so he wanted to make a sequel that got back to the elements that made Star Trek so popular. Klingons, time travel, the Guardian of Forever, and Sarek and Amanda. Uh, So, although Sarek and Amanda made Star Trek popular, I don't recall this, but Mm. uh, I know people like Klingons, I know they like time travel, I know they like City on the Edge of Forever. Uh, And Sarek became popular, but he certainly wasn't by then, I don't think. No, Sarek to me like really 
didn't take off until his next gen appearances yeah, as like, a, as like an fair. iconic character. And that's just yeah. because he was great in those episodes. Uh, well, so anyway, in the story that Roddenberry produced, the Enterprise returns to Earth to find bodies floating in space. They eventually discover that history has been changed by the Klingons and the Federation no longer exists. As to why the Enterprise still exists when the Federation does not, the answer is that anyone traveling at warp speed when the change in the timeline occurred is immune. I guess that makes no sense, but okay. Hmm. Uh, There'd be quite a few Starfleet vessels still knocking about, you'd think, then. But anyway. You would, right? Maybe Enterprise was the only one traveling at warp at the time. Uh, When the Federation, with the Federation never having existed, (coughs) Earth is populated with a savage race of proto-humans. Oh, no. The Klingon, the crew learns that the Klingons use the Guardian of Forever to go back into time and change history. When more Klingons arrive at Earth, the Enterprise hides behind a moon to evade detection. In San, this is where shit gets weird, if it isn't already weird sounding to you already. In San Francisco, near the site of what would have been Starfleet headquarters, Amanda, now remember this is Spock's mother, in a Star Trek movie, mind you, Amanda is brutally raped by Klingons. The fuck? And Sarek sacrifices his life to save Kirk and Spock. Uh-huh. So Amanda gets raped by Klingons, and Sarek is dead. Uh, the crew returns to the planet where the Guardian is located to go Just back Just struggling time. slightly with the, the need for, um, for her to be raped by Klingons, but all right. This is definitely going back to what made Star Trek so popular, Amanda being raped. There's lots of rape in yeah. the... I mean, outside, look, outside of a space scene, which you, I believe, continue to contend that Khan was very rapey in that episode. He was epically rapey. There was only the, the hints. He never raped Although he now, if you go back and watch it, I mean, it's basically Trump with his hair down if you go back and watch that. <laughs> um, so they, uh, the crew goes to the Guardian to try to reverse the damage the Klingons have done. When a Klingon ship attempts to block a much larger Guardian portal, the Enterprise crashes through... Uh, said guardian, giant guardian portal, and ends up in Canada in the 1960s. Instead, they didn't <laughs> arrive when they meant to. A U-2 spy plane mistakes the dis- the crashed Enterprise for an alien spacecraft, which it kind of is. I was about to say, of. mistakes or correctly identifies. <laughs> uh, mm. Well, this causes President John F. Kennedy to, tran- to cancel his trip to Dallas in November 1963, which is also preventing the assassination of JFK, thus altering the timeline. Realizing mm-hmm. that they were the ones who altered the timeline, Kirk visits JFK in the Oval Office. However, Kirk is not forced to ask the president to sacrifice himself to correct the timeline. Instead, the crew repair the timeline, in parentheses, mysteriously, that the Klingons disrupt and return to the 23rd century. To their surprise, Dr. McCoy returns to a wife due to the changes that the Enterprise crew had made in the past. Apparently, there were further revisions. Eddie Egan, <laughs> the unit publicist for Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan, stated that there was a revision that made the events of Roddenberry's Star Trek II similar to that of the classic original series episode, City on the Edge of Forever, mm-hmm. and, uh, which sees, in order for history to be restored, Kennedy has to die. In this version, Spock appears behind a fence and fired the fatal gunshot that assassinated JFK. This proposal reportedly horrified Paramount. I don't know. So far, it's the best thing I've heard. <laughs> um, the the Great Bird of the Galaxy, Ben. What would you would you have watched this knowing knowing that we got Wrath of Khan? 
<laughs> Would you have watched this where Klingons use the Guardian to take over Earth to create proto-humans and then the Enterprise goes back to try to stop them but accidentally end up in 1960s Canada only then to alter the timeline re- forcing Spock to become the shooter on the grassy knoll? <clears throat> um, you'd, you'd politely escort Roddenberry out of the building, wouldn't you? <laughs> let's let's be honest. Uh, although, let's... That's Beyond Brothers tired, as well. Gene. Let's let's go get it. Let's go get a coffee. <laughs> Doesn't he look tired? Um, <laughs> the well, the, <laughs> I suppose you can say this about it. If you if you take individual elements from that, all of them are fairly sound sci-fi tropes that can be made to work. I'm just not sure that putting them all in the same film, um, especially at that particular time. Uh, would have been any use to anyone. <laughs> yeah. In fact, it does have the slight ring of possibly worst movie ever about it, doesn't it? It really does. Um, you can <laughs> like, imagine. Well, Star Trek Six was pretty good. Four was fun. <laughs> God, do you remember that time that Spock killed JFK? Ugh. I remember, but do you remember when his mum got raped? <laughs> yeah. We all remember. We all remember. Oh, good lord. No. Um, <laughs> Do you remember that movie where Spock's mom got raped and Spock killed John F. Kennedy? <laughs> I can't even believe I'm saying that. It just sounds this. like someone's had a really bad bang on the head, doesn't I have, it? I have no idea why this movie didn't get made better. <laughs> <laughs> Not sure. Really? You say, you, you've given me about ten so far. <laughs> Fuck. Well, everybody, that's uh, and some, <laughs> somewhere in an alternate universe. That could have been Star Trek too. The Wrath of Spock, apparently. Uh, good lord. Okay, so... Hang on, something's troubling me now. Okay. I think somewhere... Am I imagining this? Haven't I seen Spock firing that very shot? Have Isn't you? there... Is there a YouTube video where someone's mocked it up? Or I've seen that somewhere, you know. Perhaps. Maybe that's that's where... I've just got a crazy visual imagination, maybe. Um... Hmm. If that exists, someone needs to send us a link. Spock shoots JFK. Um, Yeah. Maybe videos. And Rose McGowan was next to him in the car. No, hang on. That's a that's the video to Coma White. That's not right. Um. Well, anyway, someone I'm sure. Not 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 finding not finding anything, but uh, (laughs) I kind of want to see it now. The the biggest and most recent news of the week is uh, Star Trek Discovery, the new show that is going to be premiering for most everybody else in the world on Netflix, (laughs) but for people in America on a far lesser streaming service known as CBS All Access, with the exception of the first episode. Uh, They have announced uh, casting. So there was the... (coughs) Before this announcement came out, there was actually the rumor, Mm. uh, it was very heavily rumored, that actress Michelle Yeoh was going to be cast in the show. Now, she is probably best known for being in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, yeah. which is a movie I've not seen. Apparently, they've also made a like a, a sequel or a TV show based off of that or something, which she was also in. It's something also I've not seen. But, I'm, but I am told that, uh, that she is good in them. And oh, she, yeah, she, she is. Uh, she's certainly good in the film. Uh, the rumor was that she was going to be 
uh, captaining a ship called the starship Shenzhou, and she was going to be playing a character character named Captain Han Bo. Now, when they released the rest of the casting announcements, the starship name was correct, but her name was changed to Georgiou. Georgiou, Captain Georgiou of the starship Shenzhou, which sounds yeah. too much like her ship name, and I don't like it. It really does. It's got that annoying sort of thing. Yeah, I don't and like it either. Georgiou of Shenzhou. Maybe they'll pronounce it differently, but uh, for now, that's that, for now that's what it seems like. I, I kind of like the name Han Bo. She was in Tomorrow Never Dies as well, by the way. Was she? Yeah. Okay. As that's a, that's a James Bond movie, I believe. Right? That's that's James Bond. It is, yes. It never dies. Does tomorrow? Uh, she was also in the Mummy Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. Oh well, nobody watched. That would be the which, third Mummy movie. I was about to say which is the third Mummy movie. Therefore, no one has seen that. No. Uh, After the Rock was in your movie, nobody cares to see another one unless the Rock is in it again. So. Interestingly enough, she's been awarded the Chevalier de la Légion d'Honneur. Uh, in 2007. Uh, by... like some sort of German award. Correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> yes, the, the French Germans. Got yeah. a bit of a um, German ring to it. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, Jacques, I don't know why Jacques Sirot gave her that. Um, but there you go. But then she was also awarded it by... That's really weird. She was awarded it again by Sarkozy in 2012. Huh. Mm-hmm. Um, so they... Aside from... Aside from confirming her, mm. they also confirmed two other actors and roles, I do believe. Yep. Uh, they confirmed the casting of actor Anthony Rapp, Woo. who is going to be playing, I do believe, the first uh, LGBT character in Star Trek. I mean, outside of, you know, Hikaru Sulu in the new Star Trek uh, movie universe. Outside yeah. of that. Uh, who and I believe he was in. I think you'll find he's the only gay in this village. That's not a reference. Anyone in America will understand. I've just realised. Never mind. Uh, I believe uh, Raps. He's got a lot of interesting credits. So he's done a lot of films. He was in uh, a Beautiful Mind. He was. He was uh, he's done a lot of stage stuff. Uh, he's had a few TV roles. He was in the X Files. He was in an episode of the X Files in 1997, apparently. Which is uh, odd because you think they'd mention that more than um, uh, him being in Rent. I know he was the originating actor for Mark Cohen, but still, it's, it's a yeah, bit he odd. Did the th- he did the theater version and the film version of Rent. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so yeah, he is. So he's uh, he has uh, a lot of stuff. I, I haven't. I don't think I've remember him in A Beautiful Mind. Was he the roommate? Of Russell, have you seen a beautiful mind? Was I'm wondering if he was the roommate of Russell Crowe in a beautiful mind. Um, I, I have seen it, but not in many years. In fact, I think right, I probably last saw it in 2001. <laughs> it's, um, been, it's been a while since I've seen it uh, as well. And they're saying he played Bender, which is my mind immediately went to the robot from Futurama. Oh, I'm glad that's where your mind went. I thought you yeah, were being. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> No, did you think it was going to go like gender bender? Like, what did you think? Yeah, it was I, go with? yeah, that's people still use that in the UK, which is uh, wow, really somewhat, somewhat tragic. But there you go. Oh um, no, 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 his his roommate was played by Paul Bettany. That makes uh, sense. I was about to say, I've just found that as well. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know who he played in it. I think Bender was one of his chums at school, or one of the people he worked with, or 
something like that. Yeah. I'm say. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he is going to be playing a character named Lieutenant Stamets or Stamets. Yep. Uh, and he's, he's a space fungus expert. Yeah, an astromycologist. Uh, well said. AKA <laughs> fungus expert. Which is weird. Normally, so normally when we see science officers in Star Trek, they're usually uh, just a science. They're they're a master of all science, apparently. Yeah. Uh, this is kind of a throwback to the original series when they would have like you know here's our history expert and here like they had very specific uh, specific jobs within their department. Uh, they sort of dropped that by the time Next Gen came along, where if you were in the uh, well, I mean, not exactly. Like, they had astrobiology and, and things like that. Astrometrics. Oh, yes. People were kind of in those particular things. But we've never and seen anything... And as well. We've never, we've never seen anything as specific as an astromycologist before. So I'm curious how many episodes they're going to find where his expertise is going to come into use. <laughs> Boy, they found a lot of fungusy things on Star well, Trek this season. They said that he happens to be gay in it. I suppose there's a possibility that he happens to have that as his speciality in terms of his science as well. Yeah, perhaps he's a fungus expert, but he knows a thing or two about other sciencey things. Yeah. Um, I have to say, I'm quite pleased that they've um, uh, cast somebody, a, a gay actor for a gay character, um, which is an unusual decision in uh, uh, even in 2016. Um, but also a, a slightly older guy. They didn't go so route one as to have some sort of... Uh, young hipster type. Young, young hipstery type, yeah. Although, that said, um, Anthony Rapp is a bloody sexy guy. He really is. He's a good-looking uh, He's got the whole geek thing going on. The only thing is, I notice his photographs are always better when they're um, in black and white because then you don't notice just how ginger he is. <laughs> did just, you see? Just that out there. Did you see his his Twitter picture about how he plans to prepare for his role in Star Trek? I did not. It's a picture of him, presumably at his dining room table, and it is filled with all of the shows: every season of Next Gen, every season of Voyager, <laughs> DS Nine, Enterprise. Uh, original series and animated series all <coughs> sitting on his table. He says, with the help of my friend Bill's collection of all things Star Trek, I am doing a deep dive into the lore to prep for Star Trek Discovery. So We need to get him on the show. Uh, the, other, <laughs> the other, well, I mean, we may have to go lower than, than Anthony Rapp if we are going to start getting it. Uh, endorsements. He may he may in fact be too easy to get. Actually, you want to talk about somebody who's a, who's actually a possible get, only because he apparently stalks Aaron De La Osa on Instagram in the middle of the night, liking some of the pictures in his oh, profile. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the third actor cast for the show, Doug Jones, who is uh, well known for playing Abe Sapien and in, in the Hellboy uh, films and Falling Skies, he was on that show as well. Yeah, uh, he was in Pan's Labyrinth. He is playing Lieutenant Saru, 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 uh, a Starfleet science officer. I, get, and... I like to think that every time someone meets him in the show, they're going to go, oh, Lieutenant Saru? I want to say Saru. I just like the idea that people might, every time they meet him, may struggle with his name. Hopefully his first name is Hokatu, so it sounds as much like Hikaru Sulu <laughs> as possible. <laughs> Mr. Saru. It almost sounds like you're saying Sulu, but with a stereotypically uh, racist Asian accent. Almost, I'm gonna yeah. have to. Be, uh, hopefully, it's hopefully it's Seiru. 
Hopefully, actually, in fact, because he is apparently playing a member of an alien species unseen before in the Star Trek universe, according to this, mm-hmm. uh, perhaps it'll be spelled S-A-R-U, but it will be pronounced completely differently. Like, yeah. like Lieutenant uh, Shelberg. But it's spelled no. S-A-R-U. Help me with this. One of the other weird features in the press release for this was that... Um, he is. He has a background as a contortionist, and the one thing I couldn't quite understand is: Are they saying that Doug Jones has a background as a contortionist, or are they saying that Lieutenant Saru has a background as a contortionist? I I need to know that. I do believe it is Doug Jones who has the background. Okay. I do well, believe. good. Maybe Saru well, then, is as well. Maybe he can. Maybe he's going to be like the Sulabandi. Maybe he's going to be, yeah, he's going to be like the Suliban in Enterprise, where they, the genetically mm. modified ones that could just squeeze themselves under doors. Always uh, a handy skill. Perhaps we will see that. Um, it's also noted here, by the way, Trek, Trek Movie noted that the press release was released at 1031, which I do believe is the registry number for the Discovery ship is 1031. Yes. I believe That's so. cute, isn't it? Very clever and adorable. Well done, CBS. Well done, Star <laughs> Trek. Uh, the so the, the... Do you th- hang on. Do you think he might be our way in with Glenn? So Glenn famously despises all things Star Trek, um, and of course, is that, is that what it, is that what it is? Does he famously despise it? I, kinda... I, I, thought, I thought he just famously doesn't know anything about it. Uh, mm, okay, well, I I always got kind of hostility from him on Star Trek, but all right. It's possible, uh, it's possible. He may be looking his nose down at us, perhaps. Yeah, well, but Doug Jones has got a little link to his favorite show of all time, because mm. Doug Jones was in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, that's right. That's how we're going to hook him in. That's how we're going to do it. Doug Jones is going to be his gateway drug. He does list, by the way, Buffy... Mm. Almost at the end of his list of things here on Twitter. Oh yeah, he was like some random bloody yeah. demon or something or whatever. He wasn't a big deal in it, but he, he, lists he was crim- in it. He lists his appearance in Crimson Peak above that and Hocus Pocus. <laughs> oh, crikey, <laughs> it's that bad. All yeah. right. Well, never mind. We won't tell Glenn that. We'll just say, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This guy from that. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Um, but you know what? This um, I gotta say, this casting. Actually, this casting actually has me pretty excited. I, I like all of the choices here. I don't think they've announced the lead yet. I don't think any of these people are going to be the lead. Uh, I think they they said that the lead was actually going to be the f- maybe the first officer or a lieutenant or something. That's right, yeah. Uh, but it was going to be a female. So while both of the characters, Anthony, Anthony Rapp's character and Doug Jones' characters, are apparently both lieutenants, they are not female, and... Well, Michelle Yeoh is clearly a female. Her rank is captain, and she's not going to be the captain of the Discovery. So uh, I'm curious to see who else they they come up. I, I still feel like even though the show is not supposedly going to be centered around the captain of the Discovery, I still, maybe it's because I'm, I'm just stuck in that mode of Star Trek and they've just taught me this way for so mm. long. I'm more anxious to find out who the captain of the ship is than I am well, to it, find it out who could the make or break it. Irrespective of whether they are um, the lead character in it, I think. I mean, right. Um, but I think they did announce though this week or last week that they have cast um, the lead role in it. Have and they just have not made an announcement yet. Yeah, they've just not announced it. Okay. Well, get to it, CBS. 
I mean, they, yeah. I mean, they look, they've still got some time on their hands. The show got pushed back to what? March. Yeah. Something like that. At, at least March, I think. They have, I mean, as far as I know, they haven't even started shooting yet. Well, no, um, we had the, on the last show, we had the, the news from Toronto, didn't we? Um, but it's, it can't be long. I oh, know, it, but it does feel a bit like an eternity at the moment. Yeah, and it feels like a squeeze. So, um, mm. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure uh, Ben and I will come back at some point when there is more news coming out about the show, and when I've been either, uh, been able to gather enough uh, puff pieces to stretch out <laughs> this thing and, into a full. And podcast. I'm going to learn some astromycology, just so you know, I've got stuff to talk to him about. It's all good. That's right. Yeah. We'll, we'll get on that. Uh, we'll get on that fungus. Uh, that that fungus tip, as the kids say. Uh, I I don't hope if, they don't. <laughs> I don't know if they say that anymore or not. Mm. I am old. Uh, it's possible that I could be out of touch on the subject matter. Now, sh- shall we? The conversation we we sort of touched upon that uh, that we had off air. Shall we? Shall we discuss this about the possibility of um oh, celebrity of finding- endorsements? Yeah. So. Basically, on a show that I do over here, uh, the Manchester Phoenix podcast. Available um, on iTunes. Available on iTunes. Uh, we had, um, uh, in our first episode of uh, this series, actually, we had um, the news that the other ice hockey team in our fair city had celebrity endorsement from everyone's favorite. Um, no, he's not anyone's favorite anything, is he? Uh, Justin Bieber. Uh, who you know, but the thing is, he's Canadian. So uh, and Phoenix currently aren't practicing in Manchester and Storm were closer, and he was, was drawn this? to them like a fly to shit. May I ask um, this: what the celebrity endorsement consisted of? Like, did they get? Oh, like a, just a load of photos and crap. Um, okay, I mean, they, they weren't even able to get some sort of like audio bumper where he's like, "Hey, oh, hey, I'm Justin Bieber they did. and I like hockey." They didn't get anything like that. I bet they did. Uh, but, and if they didn't, they're even more ridiculous than I thought they were. Anyway, <laughs> so not to be beaten at Phoenix, um, we decided that we'd try our own, and we started with the uh, the, the very lowest level of celebrity you could possibly have, yeah. um, which is game show contestant on daytime TV. <laughs> uh, and then we put out a plea, and the plea was to any of our listeners: if you know someone or know someone who knows someone uh, who is. <laughs> slightly further but not too far let's not go crazy yeah. slightly further up the chain of uh of notoriety then could they put the, put us in touch and we would call them on the air and see if we could get them to endorse our show and weirdly enough we now have a th- more or less a full lineup uh until the end of this season um and <laughs> at the apex of it we've um we've got Hopefully, uh, I'm loath to say it at the moment, but we hopefully have an apex celebrity. Um, there you go. And I'm quite. And actually, I tell you, if we pull it off, fuck you, Beaver. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing. So uh, yeah, but we're, we're calling via a few stations on the way to that. So you know, we're calling via um, you know radio producer from national radio show and stuff like that. Sure. Uh, yeah. So that's the thing. So I was wondering. Are any of the listeners to this show connected to uh, basically minor celebrities? So, given what our sort of subject area is, and given that about 15 million people have appeared as extras in Star Trek across the years, I really think we need to get... We must be able to find people who are prepared to provide a bumper for this show 
you know, I'm um, John Bobbins, and I played uh, security Lieutenant... guard number three. Yeah, exactly. Actually, as you see, I already shot too high there by giving <laughs> the rank of lieutenant something. No, you're quite right. Security yeah. guard three, uh, red shirt two. Um, that's that's what we need. So if if you've got a link to someone, or you know someone who knows someone who can make this shit happen, then you really need to get in touch because I think if, if there's one thing the show needs, it's it's celebrity endorsement. Hi, I'm Fran Smith, and I played shopper number twenty three in the shopping center scene of Encounter at Farpoint. Oh, I would love to get her. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Were you the one that was? Uh... Getting the shirt in the background? Yeah, that was me. That was hey, me. What, was it, what was it like to work with Gates McFadden? Oh <laughs> uh, well, when I was when I was giving my shirt purchaser, um, <laughs> you know, I, I I mean, my character it wasn't right out there, obviously, but my character had had a, a really tough week that week. Um, yeah. <laughs> and she, <laughs> inside the actor's studio, that's what that's what we're going to do with them. Gates was Gates was fun to work with. Uh, she she'd walk past. I said hello. She seemed to have not have heard me, so I I've said hello a little like louder. That. And she she looked over her shoulder. I think she was looking at me, but I'm not certain. Anyway, she was very pleasant to work with. A complete professional. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, the catering was pretty good. It was it wasn't as bad as you'd think. Uh, she felt threatened by me. I do think a little while a little way because uh, I showed her my tap routine, and of course. You know, what's a choreographer? Always a choreographer. She, uh, she I think right. she took against me, but, um, I, but I, no. I, I don't want to say too much, but I feel like I may have been at least partially responsible for her leaving the show after the first season. So, well, some people have asked whether it was, uh, you know, a, a Janeway 7 sort of situation between us. And, um, you know, I suppose if anything, it's hard to talk about because obviously it was far worse between us. But <laughs> I don't want uh, to say yes, but let's just say it wasn't no. Exactly. <laughs> okay, so this is the level of shit we need. <laughs> this is absolutely what we need on this show, yeah. by the way. Um, uh, if anybody knows anybody who was ever an extra for anything, uh, you know what we oh, need and to I, do? Except you, Seth MacFarlane. We don't want you. No. God, he's, he's on everything. Yeah. We need, we need the people who aren't heard that often. Yeah. Uh, you know what we should aim for if we really mm-hmm. want to aim for the the obscure of the obscure uh, we should shoot for people who are background characters in Star Trek fan films uh, <laughs> because it's really hard to get more obscure than that yeah but it's bad isn't it when when, you, when they say so yeah I'm so and so and I played this role and you go wait wait I've got it open on YouTube hang on so where <laughs> who oh is that your sleeve okay <laughs> yeah, cool yeah. <laughs> uh, well, if you just read this little endorsement for us, that'll be fine. But yeah. the whole point is, these these bumpers have to be done. The 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 thing that leads them, the convincing them, and everything else has to be done on air. Yes, that's the trick. Well, if anybody knows anyone of low <laughs> of low caliber Star Trek uh, celebrity, please put us in contact. I I don't know how many of these we're going to get, if any at all. But uh, well, I was surprised. As I say, we had. You know, quiz show contestant who went at. Do you know she was the first to go as well in the episode? Um, <laughs> we had her, and within uh, a week of the show going out, we had uh, <laughs> pseudo celebrities for the next three or four shows. So it's pretty good. <laughs> uh, so yeah, if anybody knows anybody, we're we're willing to to do the the, the reach out work on this. <laughs> uh, quite quite honestly. 
uh, I think it's about as good as we could do anyway. I'm not expecting to get Doug Jones on the show anytime soon uh, to talk about his upcoming role. Although, if he did up on the show because I might start stalking him in the new year i haven't I haven't sorted out the plans yet if he does well, i mean if he does continue if he does continue to to stalk aaron we may have to use this to our advantage oh if doug jones does absolutely yeah so we, and we will that's a threat yeah that's a not a not a promise that we're we're making threats here see uh, this could this could roll over <laughs> into the main show as well because then you can have minor background characters from all from sides just, from just about anything yeah <laughs> Yeah, I, I've, I voiced um, astonished pedestrian in, uh, in the Killing Joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, uh, I was a awestruck restaurant patron in the Avengers. Yeah, totally I was second that. vocal stand-in for Donatello in one of the '80s episodes of <laughs> Turtles. I never got to do anything, but I was the stand-in in case the original voice actor was sick. We need all of these people. <laughs> It's, uh, you know what? Somebody's got to have a podcast out there already where they go looking for these people to interview them. There's got to be something like this. And if they don't, uh, we're going to have you know, to do it. Yeah. Patent pending. I know you can't do that with a podcast, but still. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll write down the idea on a piece of paper and date it and mail it to myself. Uh, do that. I believe, I believe that. And I've got an prior art on the other show. So we're, we're good. We're good. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. alright uh, that's it for this episode of I'm a Doctor Not a Podcast head on over to cinemageekly.com where you can listen to all of the past episodes although there aren't many of them for this particular show uh, but uh, it's it's slow it's slow moving and we weren't sure we, I don't think we're sure exactly what this podcast is going to be just yet for and now, like all Star Trek fans we spend most of our time basically sitting around in our pants yes so we're kind of lazy yeah uh, but all the all the past episodes <coughs> are up on cinemageekly.com, along with every other show that we do. And, of course, this, like many of the others, are available on Google Play Music and iTunes. Uh, this is a long podcast title, but I bet if you just search for I'm a Doctor on iTunes, you might find us eventually. But it might be easier to just type in I'm a Doctor, not a podcast, and you can subscribe to the show you could type in just i'm a doctor i'm not sure i've not done it uh so i'm not positive what really comes up <laughs> in, in the itunes feeds but uh yeah that's how you can that's how you can find us on itunes and google play music and feel free to subscribe and get those episodes downloaded to your device as they become available all right uh so yeah that's a wrap for ben and myself we will return sometime, my guess is, not until the new year. I feel like by the mm. time January rolls around, we'll have some new casting uh, announcements and uh, maybe even some word about filming or maybe even some sneak peeky type stuff. If the, show's, if the show is supposed to come out in like March, or I could be wrong about March, it might actually have been moved to May. I'm actually not I can't, sure now. Do you know, I can't remember, and I did know, because on the last show we we discussed it, because I found out some information about it, hadn't I? In fact, it's got to be May, is my it feeling. Mu- yeah, because, I think it must be. Because March is not enough time to film episodes and do you, you post think and so. visual effects and turn... There's no way. It's got to be It's got to be moved to May instead of March. So uh, just go back when you listen to this episode, rewind <laughs> it, and in your heads, whenever I say March, just pretend I said May. You feel the same way about editing as I do. I, I like that. I respect that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not going to say May right now and then go back and put it <laughs> May, in May. 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 There you go. I've got a few for you. Yeah, for, for me, May. 
uh, for me, it's it's editing of the mind. It's uh, you're just gonna have to pretend that I said something other than what I've said. <laughs> that don't have to be good enough. All right, so uh, yeah, we'll come back whenever there is more Star Trek to discuss, and eventually. When Discovery launches, I'm sure Ben and I will be here to discuss the episode. In a new episode called Star Trek, The Search for Aurora. (laughs) That's right. Right. 